How Biden Botched the Border. Oh, let me count the ways. Hey, everybody, I'm Steve Green with Bill Whittle and Scott Ott. This is Right Angle, brought to you by the members of BillWhittle.com. Gentlemen, that is not my intro. How Biden Botched the Border is a headline in Axios uh, on Monday or Tuesday of this week. We're taping this on Tuesday. I, I caught it this morning. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I have, to, I have to read this thing. Because it's not about the actual policies. I mean, we, we, we know the border is just a, an absolute open, wide open mess Wound, down yeah. there. Just just the worst. But Axios goes in uh, in their let's let's say Axios has a spare style. Um, I like it because I get to get the meat of the article, you know, without all of those words that other places use. But let's let, let's look at some of the the, the, the process here that uh, reporters Alex Thompson and uh, Steph W. Kite discovered uh researching this article we, we go back to january 2023 and this just uh, unearthed meeting that axios found aboard air force one uh to tour the southern border president biden sat at the head of his conference table and exploded with fury this is again according to axios the president lit into his team which included then deputy chief of staff jen o'malley dillon homeland security advisor liz sherwood randall and other immigration officials he demanded obscure immigration data points invented when his staff didn't have them handy by the way i love it the news reports always have to have this little plug in there about how biden's so on top of all these mundane details and then he blows up when they don't have them you i've seen a dozen of these stories in the last six months so just keep an eye out for those um axios says this matters because previously unreported meeting uh, recounted Axios by three people familiar with the events, is emblematic of the Biden administration's struggle with the border crisis during the past three years, infighting, blame-shifting, and indecision. Biden's fury subsided at, at this meeting, and aides scrambled for the information he wanted. People in the meeting later told others in frustration that Biden's winding process and irritability were making it more difficult to reach decisions about the border. Um, Bill... Wow, those two words, those three words, excuse me, winding process and irritability came out just a few days after the White House tried and failed and tried and failed and tried and failed again to reset that narrative about him being an angry and senile old man. Ouch, huh? In the back room here, I have um, something that's relatively heavy, but it certainly fits in the overhead bin as a piece of carry-on item. Uh, I used to wear it all the time when I was flying. It's an emergency parachute. It's a, it's a, a cushion parachute. And I suspect we're going to be seeing more and more and more Biden aides bringing these things on board because there's going to come the point when it's going to be like, I'm bailing out. I'm just, I'm just out. I'm out the door. Um, and there's nothing. If there's anything worse than being in the company of somebody who's unpleasant, then it's being in the company of some pleasant where someone unpleasant where you don't get to go outside and smoke a cigarette or, or, or whatever you're you're stuck with with this guy on the plane, um, I I'm glad you pointed out that, that that how they always it's almost like that Ronald Reagan Saturday Night Live sketch how Joe Biden says you know, oh, you know I want to know what's happening with Martinez you know this kind of thing it is like he's got command of it I don't believe that but I definitely believe the nasty part I've seen I've seen that I've talked about this so many times and I and I can't. I just have to preface this by saying I'm not trying to milk sympathy or anything other than I can't explain my um, familiarity without saying that my mom died of Alzheimer's and also of dementia. And it's not like I'm looking for sympathy. It's just I have firsthand experience with this. And, and when I saw what dementia does to one of the most 
gentle spirited souls in the world and and the kind of monster that it can turn them into i start asking myself what happens when dementia starts to work on one of the most mean-spirited you know um angry aggressive thin-skinned politicians forget forget where he is now his entire career he's not a nice guy he's been a he's been a really he's mean a guy you know okay that's what that's what you say fats and 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 you know and, and you know you're a lying dog-faced pony soldier and, and and threatening you know threatening guys with physical violence Fred you want to step outside sure Joe I'll step outside <laughs> you it, it's almost like oh yeah cop yeah okay come on cop you take off the badge let's go outside it's like sure Joe I'm happy to step outside with you and your 17 you know uh, secret service yeah. guys armed with uzis and and, and and no I'm not stepping outside Joe but but seriously Steve I think it's a serious question there's there's no question that he's getting snappier which from from the people who've worked with him say he's always snappy it's just that when you've got your mental uh, faculties around you and you're a professional politician especially you know how to control these things and as this irreversible decline continues his ability to control that snappiness continues to diminish we've seen signs of it in public but my experience has been and the experience of the many people I've talked to about this you know since I had to go through this is that it's going to get tougher and tougher to it, it almost becomes like Tourette's it's almost like a, a, a an an involuntary sort of a thing, this kind of dementia outburst. And I think the time is relatively short before we see him do one of those shockingly, violently, aggressively nasty outbursts on camera. Um, I, I really do. I'm, I'm just seeing the signs everywhere. Um, so, you know, as we said when we did the double episode last week on the on the press conference and, and what was in the report, you know, what what are we supposed to do with stories like this? You know, oh, breaking news. You know, uh, it's, you know, everybody who's known about Joe's mental problems knows about this. Not as many people know, I think, about what a rotten guy he has been prior to de developing this mental incapacitation. And I suspect that what's going to happen is much like with uh, uh, drunkenness. You hear about people becoming nasty drunks. It's not like the alcohol made them nasty. It's usually nasty, not always, but usually nasty drunks are nasty people, and the and the alcohol has just basically removed their uh, ability to restrain themselves. That's what I suspect. Yeah, I, you may be right about that. Um, you know, I never liked Biden, but he. I never liked him in mostly a laughable way. You know, he, he talked himself out of the, the 1988 presidential race with stupid plagiarism, that kind of thing. He was, just, he was always a bully. He's a guy who poisoned the, the Supreme Court nomination process, he and Ted Kennedy. He um, but that aside, I, I learned to hate him, and I, I really don't like experiencing hate. It's a nasty emotion. I learned to hate him when I was doing research on him in 2019, and I discovered that he had lied repeatedly and in public about the driver who killed his first wife and and their baby girl and injured uh, their sons in a car accident he claimed the truck driver was drunk that the, his family was a victim of a drunk driver and he smeared this man until this guy went to his grave just filled with anger and shame over joe biden who lied about him and after this guy died his his wife basically begged him Stop telling this story. He didn't, she didn't try to sue. She didn't look for money, anything like that. She just tried to get him to stop claiming her husband was a drunk driver, and he wasn't. The, the, uh, it's just 
he's he, he's the that's worst. That's disgraceful. It's just that's just absolutely disgraceful lack of character. Yeah. And by 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 the police account, it was most likely uh, mom is distracted by the baby. Didn't look left before making her turn and terrible thing. Uh, Where's your political gain in exactly, that? Exactly, exactly. Everything's got to be about generating sympathy for Joe Biden. That's that's what he does. Uh, Scott, I want to get away from the senility angle, though, because uh, I'm, I'm, the politics of the border situation are intriguing. And I think really the, the gist of this Axios piece, um, getting, getting back to their story, it says the crisis grew slowly. Many administration leaders treated the issue like a hot potato because it was politically thankless. Several sources in and out of government told the paper the idea that no one wanted to own it came up repeatedly in interviews about the border crisis. But the problem required a robust and coordinated response at several levels of the federal government. And a former government official uh, close to the issue told Axios, there are definite incentives to not be the person who owns the scary issue with no solutions. Which, Scott, I found very curious that that was the attitude inside the White House when the very first job that Joe Biden gave to his own vice president, Kamala Harris, was border czar. Well, at the very least, you would think that somebody would have the nerve to just stand up and say, look, we've been wrestling with this for decades and nobody has a good solution. Every solution has downsides. Um, here's the one that we're going to adopt, realizing that there are weaknesses to any potential plan and at least be honest about it. That idea of, of owning it, um, I think uh, part of the challenge in politics is that um, politicians are looking for either things that they can uh, pronounce upon and that have no, uh, no time horizon for measurability. So things that you can get all lathered up about that don't necessarily result in any solution, but you're in there fighting for them. You know, you're in there fighting for the people. And then other things, the other end of that spectrum is finding things that it's low hanging fruit. It's stuff that with relatively small effort, we can show demonstrable results. I mean, if you cut taxes, the economy improves, for example. Um, that's, that's a nice one if you're a Republican anyway, and you understand how the economy works. Uh, but this idea of developing a robust, coordinated response across multiple governmental departments and in interaction with foreign nations is complicated. Um, and there, th in complexity, politicians really struggle to come up with anything in general. Now, specifically, Joe Biden, I think, is, is further handicapped by his desire to be seen in a certain way. And one of the problems is to have any kind of uh, border policy, you've got to say no to some people. And he has around him a whole party that is screaming, say yes to everybody, but don't send them to my neighborhood. And so this is <laughs> that, really that's the only no. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we want everybody to be able to come in. We just don't want them in my suburban, uh, you know, cul-de-sac. And so you know, it is it is a very, very difficult issue. Um, you can solve it in essence uh, on our side of the border, but you basically kick the problem back to Central America or Africa or Asia or wherever these uh, the folks tend to be coming from. Um, and 
you know, if you're, you, you've got to either claim it or not claim it. You know, so Biden stood up and said to everybody, look, this has been going on for a long time. Honestly, we're doing the best we can. We don't really know what to do about it. Uh, here are the reasons why we think there's been an influx recently. Um, here's what we're trying to do about it. I mean, at least he'd get points for, for credibility and honesty. Uh, but to make it sound like you're doing something when in fact nobody wants to take responsibility for it is not only di disingenuous and bad policy, uh, but I think it's being reflected in some of the popularity numbers or lack thereof that we're seeing for the president. Yeah, and the border is just absolutely one of his one of his weakest issues, and I think Scott nailed it. And the, the big reason is he either doesn't want or or isn't able to to make a decision on this without pissing off some important part of his constituency. Uh, that said, I'm gonna I'm gonna provide a a very brief, concise answer to what I think is the real problem with uh, with Joe Biden and and the border. That that whole Axios how Biden botched the border question with malice aforethought. And that is your right angle on that, brought to you by the members of BillLittle.com. Oh, yeah. Thanks so much Jesus. for watching. And we'll see you next time.